Welcome to another edition of Talking Tigs. We have a colossal one for you this week. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined as always by my co-host, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Uh, a lot to get into, including um, some transfer news. We know where Eric Gilbert is now going. Uh, LSU is now set on their defensive coaching staff. Um, they had some commits before this week, but it is also National Signing Day as we speak. Uh, so all those signings to get into. Uh, it was pretty much an uneventful signing day for LSU, which, you know, can be a good thing compared to, to some years where, you know, a bunch of guys are flipping at the last possible second. Um, but LSU initially, or they, LSU uh, has 22 signed on. So they actually have three spots available. Don't know if they'll be fields, but uh, I don't know. Coach o might have something up his sleeve. He, he always talks about some transfers. Um, and then also some basketball news to get into. The Tigers, Tigers had an up and down week. Uh, but before we jump into all that, I want to see how uh, the co-hosts are doing. Tommy, Daniel, how goes it? Uh, good to be here again with you on another edition of the Great Talking Tigs podcast. Uh, not too much going on over here other than the kind of, you know, it's typical uh, LSU stuff. But other, other than that, you know, it's, good, it's a good week. Yes, hello to the people. It's been a little bit longer since our last podcast, since we pushed it back for this National Signing Day that we're going to talk about. But uh, yeah, doing pretty well. Excited to talk about that uh, with y'all. I had all sorts of news, and we'll we'll run the gauntlet on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I guess we could start with, uh, with, with Eric Gilbert, since we finally know where he's going to go. Uh, you know, there's some speculation thinking, well, he hasn't <clears throat> transferred out of the portal, so maybe he'll come back. Coach O said he would welcome him back, but that's not going to happen. He's going to instead decide on his own free will. Uh, nobody forced him to do this. He's going to decide to go play at the University of Florida out of all places, I guess. I, I don't know. I guess he saw you know the success they had this past year with their tight end, but um, that's where he's going. Um, you know, Godspeed to him. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen a, you know, such a, you know, more talked about player come and go so quickly, you know, in their LSU career with just, you know, nothing else involved other than his own volition. So um, I don't know the, as far as the choice, I mean, of course, you know, he could have gone anywhere. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's just kind of weird that he goes to Florida of all places. Cause you know, we're gonna have to play him and mm-hmm. you know, we just, we do not like Florida. I don't think anybody in the SEC does really, but uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. What, what do you think of the move? I mean, it's, I guess it wasn't that surprising. We knew we'd probably end up somewhere in the SEC. We'd probably go back to, we'd already go back to Georgia, you know, because he said he wanted to go home. But uh, uh, Gainesville is not home to him, but that's where he went. I mean, I think, I think it's a, uh, it's a real shame. One thing that I I saw people talking about is like, you know, you don't get this out of, uh, when you recruit, you know, that's, it's the, it's kind of the issue of recruiting so well out of the state. You know, typically we've done our bread and butter is Louisiana. We will pick up a class, especially like the I think it's the 22 class. We've already offered 19 people um, in the 19 people graduating in 2022 from the state of Louisiana in that in that 2020 class. uh, There were a lot more. You know, we went at, we went really far out of state. We picked up a lot of different guys from all over the country, and so they don't grow up with that same allegiance. Obviously, you know that obviously uh, uh, Gilbert didn't have to LSU. I think that he uh, he thought he'd be coming to play with Joe Brady and Joe Burrow and 
you know, all of them and failed to realize they were all going to the NFL. And it's, it's unfortunate that he wasn't ready to, or he wasn't willing to, uh, you know, work on that, work on that rebuild kind of. Yeah. And now it seems that the whole homesick talk is, if not, if not a complete lie, at least maybe just a kind of excuse to, to take his leave from LSU because Gainesville is still like 300 something miles away from the Atlanta area. So it's not like he's just a hop away from, from his home. So that's kind of disappointing to see. Cause you're like, well, we've just been kind of played a little bit. And then the other thing is maybe he doesn't want the competition at Georgia because Georgia actually had the number two tight end in the country for the 2020 class, Darnell Washington, who I don't think got much playing time this past year, but he would have been competing directly uh, with Eric Gilbert and, I think he would have had as much playing time at LSU as anywhere else. But I mean, you see the success that Kyle Pitts had at Florida this past season, but that was with Kyle Trask throwing to him uh, and a pretty good Gators team around him. So I don't know if he's going to live up to that type of production, but I guess he'll, he'll go for it. And then all the LSU defense is going to be like head hunting for him when the the game rolls around this season. Plus they get him for two more years. So it could be a a long day for Eric, although he's going to try his best to to run up the score on us as well. I would imagine. And and I don't know about that. I've been thinking about this a lot ever since the, um, ever since the news came out that he was looking at leaving, you know, he quit the team or quit mid season was sitting out all that kind of stuff. Was he really that good? I know he's a generational talent. He's got all the physical tools. He's fast. He's tall. He can, he's got hands. Uh, when, when he was recruited, we, uh, they said that he could block, like you know, he was just a you know great blocker or whatever. But I, I heard mixed reviews about that and that he actually kind of didn't really like to block. And the pitch from uh, Pete's that I heard almost pulled him because of course, if you've been following this, he, uh, he was pretty much hundred percent gone. And then uh, his mom came to Baton Rouge and talked to Coach O, and Coach O liked where he was, where where, where Coach O, he liked the position LSU was in, that he thought we could get him back. And then the rumors about Georgia came up, and, oh, he's going to go to Georgia. And then they hired Pete's. And I know for about probably about a week or so, there were a lot of people thinking, okay, he's going to stay. Pizza's convinced him. They were, they, they said the plan was to move him to strictly wide receiver, make him a, uh, and make him a star. And then of course he ends up at, at Florida. But, um, I, I, I do wonder, I, you know, how good is he going to be at Florida with Emory Jones throwing to him? Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking. Cause it's like Trask is gone, you know, kind of like the situation before he came to LSU. Burrow was going to be gone. He knew that. He had to know Trask was probably going to be gone. So now he's going to have Emory Jones throwing to him. I just don't know. And like he, I, I just don't know if Dan Mullen is going to have the same success again this year. I mean, not that he had too much this past year, but I mean, um, just a lot of guys are leaving with them too. I mean, they didn't even stick around for the bowl game. So uh, I don't think he's going to be in that good a position. Is he that good? Um, I would say, I don't know. I definitely saw flashes of it. I mean, he, he was the most talked about tight end. He was the highest rated that we ever got. You know, just highest rated tight end prospect ever, supposedly, right? I mean, it's arguable, I guess. But um, I just didn't think he was a straight-up breakout, take over the game. No, no, he wasn't. And, but what's, what's interesting is I saw something where uh, a former LSU wide receiver, Stephon Sullivan, 
uh, like he, he I think he went in the seventh round. He went undrafted, but he, he just signed with the Panthers uh, as a tight end. Mm-hmm. It's like, I remember they were trying to transition him to tight ends like his last year at LSU. Uh, I mean, he, he, he was good. Like he, I, I saw some, some good, some good uh, games and some moments of him as tight end, but it, to me, just comparatively, it was about the same success as, as Eric Gilbert had, you know, it's, um, uh, was he going to change games? Like, was he going to all of a sudden make us in the running to beat Alabama every year? I doubt it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, it, it was, he wasn't going to change the game like that. He wasn't going to come in and change it like uh, a Joe Burrow or a Jamar Chase would. But I mean, he, he would have been a really good offensive weapon to have. Uh, it's, it's like we lost him, but uh, I mean, we can move on without him just fine. Well, it's like, it's like you think about what Keishon Butte was able to do this year and everybody thought he was a good player and everybody was excited about him. And, and, and but he, he was not the highly touted star game changer, you know, the next Calvin Johnson who you just throw the ball up and he take he comes down with it player that uh, that Eric Gilbert was out of high school. Yeah. And then I guess that leaves right. us with yeah. um, Cole Taylor is tied in one. I guess you could say he was a true freshman as well last year only a three-star recruit, but he's like six, seven. And his, his most famous moment from the past season was getting his shoe tossed down the field. <laughs> uh, so I guess he'll step into a big role. He's probably happy with how all this shook out. I mean, you could, you could easily say that Cole Taylor won the Florida game for us. Might not have been in a conventional way, but Hey, if that shoe doesn't get thrown, we don't win. Right. Yeah. Plus we, we didn't really have much in the, the realm of recruiting for tight end this year. We got, Jalen Sheed, who was the number 52 tight end in the country, uh, three star. So uh, I don't know if you can expect him to make much of an impact right away. Uh, well, now I will say, um, I don't know if, I don't know if, so when you think about, uh, think about our, our team last year, not, well, not, not last year, like 2020, but the, the 19 championship team. Fab Moss was our was our number one tight end. He had a really great year, but a, I mean, a lot of times he wasn't even playing conventional tight end. You know, they'd still split him out. They put him in the slot. They kind of, and, and he was just a he was just a receiver. He was a receiver that could block a little bit. And I almost think uh, that you know, in today's game, having a very 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 good tight end can be a huge difference if you if you have one. Um, we saw that with Kyle Pitts. Uh, the Chiefs, you will see that on Sunday with the Chiefs. You know, Kelsey's one of the best in the league, uh, best receivers in the league as a tight end. But when you're running that spread offense, you don't have to have you don't have to have a tight end. A lot of people play without a tight end. We have such high, we have such high caliber receivers on this team, especially coming in in this class. I'm looking at Dave. I'm looking at the at the the sheet just here. I mean, we've recruited some of the best uh, some of the best wide receivers in our state. And then we got a whole stable of them already on the team. Let's go five wides. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, why, why do we need to, uh, I don't, I don't know if this is necessary. I don't think it's like, Oh, we don't have an elite tight end. It's not like having, it's not like being like, we don't have an, we just lost our elite quarterback. We're done in today's game. If you don't have an elite quarterback, yeah, you're not, you're, you're not going to go win a championship, but I don't think the having an elite tight end is uh, the end all be all. It's definitely, it can't, it can't, it can't hurt. You, you want to have one if you could if you give him the choice to have one yes you take it but with all the with all the receiving talent that i see on that on that uh roster i feel like we're gonna be okay 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and I, I did kind of want to transition to, uh, cause we got some, some coaching hires to catch up on because I remember when we last talked, uh, Durante Jones was, you know, it, it was the guy it just wasn't official yet. And, you know, considering what happened to, uh, to, to the, the week before with, uh, um, Ryan Nielsen. Thank you. Yeah. And considering what happened the week before to Ryan Nielsen, you know, we just we're afraid to like say, okay, it's done, but now it's officially done. Uh, and they have him as a DC, but they also rounded out the rest of the staff. They signed a defensive line coach in Andre Carter. Uh, they got him from the jets. He's been in the NFL for, for quite a while. Uh, but he was uh, he was a good player himself too. I think he was like the number seven overall pick when he came out of Cal. Uh, this was back in like really early, like 99, 2000, I think. Um, but he's going to be coaching the D line. Um, and I think that's a, a really good hire, but then there's also uh, they signed linebackers coach Blake Baker pulled him from Miami and he's really excited to be here. Probably no one more excited than him or coach O, but, probably his wife because she's actually from Mandeville and went to LSU. Oh, wow. And I think that favored heavily into his decision. Uh, he said he probably wasn't going to go. He wasn't going to leave Miami for anywhere unless it was LSU. And lo and behold, that's, that's who offered him the job. So uh, he signed on, uh, but he's really excited. He's, he feels, uh, you know, it's just having LSU on your shirt when you walk in the door kind of, kind of gives you a step up. He says, but I mean, it sounds like these guys are, you know, kind of excited to be here. Uh, you know, they're going to have a chance to prove themselves at this level. Um, I think Andre, Andre Carter's proved himself at the, the pro level for sure. Uh, like when he was with the Jets, they had, I think, the best run defense in the league uh, a couple years ago. Uh, and they had the, I think, the most, I think it was the most turnovers too. Um, but I think his reputation speaks for himself. Now, that solidifies everything else. We're done with coaching hires for this year. Thank goodness. Um, I know Tommy, or let's go with you, Daniel. Um, I think these are, you know, again, kind of like Durante Jones. It's like, uh, all right, well, he definitely wasn't on my radar. That guy wasn't on my radar. But, you know, having some time to digest it and just read about their past, I feel kind of excited about it. We're going to have some youth on the coaching staff, which I think has been sorely needed because Coach O, God bless him, you know, he's had – a bunch of good stalwarts guys that have been around for years, but just doesn't always translate with the younger guys coming in, especially when recruiting, uh, especially with recruiting. So I think it's a good, uh, I think it's going to be a good boost. We'll see how it all works out. You know, I'm not expecting, uh, you know, like lights out defense from 2007, but uh, I'm really excited about these coaches. Um, What about you? Yeah, I agree. I think it's kind of interesting how the whole NFL issue thing has evolved from just like players going to the NFL. And maybe this is going on more than I was aware of it in the past, but just like coaches shifting back and forth from LSU getting boosted up to the NFL, like uh, Joe Brady, uh, or then vice versa. We see we were pulling all these coaches from the NFL towards LSU, like Andre Carter, Jake Peets, uh, et cetera, DJ Mangus. And then so just kind of the shifting of ideas back and forth from the college to the pro game. And I think it's good to have that kind of blend to see like where everybody is in kind of just football thinking, really not that I'm an expert in in that type of deal, Uh, but I'm sure there's schemes and stuff floating around that they can all move. 
And so, yeah, uh, the Jets D line has been one of the, the lone bright spots for that team in the past couple of years. So I think uh, that's a good hire. And then uh, Blake Baker seems like he definitely wants to be at LSU as well. You said he could have stayed at Miami as a DC. I don't know about that. I think he was not a little bit sour on the, the leaving, but well, he, he, uh, he was demoted. So they, so they, he lost Manny Diaz, the coach of Miami, uh, took away his play calling privileges and took them for himself because Diaz is like a defensive guy. Yeah. So he was still going to be the defensive coordinator, but he really wasn't. He was going to kind of just be a, like a, I guess an assistant almost. Yeah. But I think he's probably happy that this is a decent place to maybe regroup for a couple of years. And then if he wants to go for another DC spot, obviously he's coaching a power five level there. Um, so he has the talent and I think that'll be definitely a boost for a defense that sorely needed some change after last year. And I, and I think this is a good move because you are getting uh, a guy who's not as in Durante Jones. So some, one of the things we talked about when I, uh, you know, he was the, when he was the name that everybody, when we, talked about him getting hired was uh he's not as experienced as a we'll just say as a whoever you know a, a, a guy who's been the the defensive coordinator at another power five school or something like that but i uh, i feel like they're putting to they put together a like a support staff for him where it's a bunch of guys who have a lot of experience in different capacities He's going to be with a guy who called plays at a power five, you know, one of the top 10 teams in the nation for a while last year. And, and that's going to be one of his close assistants. So I, I almost feel like I wouldn't say we're going to get a defense by committee, but I think there's going to be a big brain trust in there working together, working on the, on the, the game plans. And I think that's a good thing. Obviously, you know, Baker is, he was saying he was excited to be there uh and, and everything and that that's great i didn't i hadn't heard that his wife was was basically from here which that's another good thing so they're kind of coming back home but she was she said tears of joy he said <laughs> well um yeah i'm excited about it i think also getting a kind of shaking up our linebacker play would be a good thing because we had a we had really good linebacker play in 19 but last year i, I was i was pretty disappointed in it i felt like uh i mean damone clark who was supposed to have kind of a breakout year did not uh, Baskerville who a lot of people waiting on a baker on a breakout year for from him for a while now he didn't really break out uh obviously the obviously uh, uh Jabril Cox was was great but you don't really have to coach him <laughs> he was ready to go he was yeah well, I mean, I'm just glad that it's all done like because if something would have fell through with LSU again with the coaching search uh, then I felt like we just would have been the laughing stock of college football, oh, especially yeah. the SEC. You know, it's just it's like, what do you have to do to secure somebody? Uh, but it all went through. And uh, I think, um, like I said, I, I think a lot of people you know, are unfamiliar with these names. So they feel like it was, a, you know, like a just a I, I don't want to say a like a desperation hire. But I, I feel like, you know, because they had to get somebody in. Like a but, consolation almost. Right. There you go. Uh, I don't feel like it's a, a consolation at all. It's just something, somebody we didn't know anything about, you know, and we've, we've had success with coaches like that in the past. So uh, I'm all for it and moving right along. So it is national signing day today, like we said, but um, LSU had plenty, uh, plenty of plenty to be excited about before this, because they actually 
signed two top O-linemen. Um, one was actually the, the top recruit in the state of Louisiana, right? Mm-hmm. Will Campbell. Um, signed him. He decided he decided on, uh, or he committed, I should say. He committed last week, and then right after him, Bo Bordelon out of New Orleans signed and committed. God, I keep saying signed. I guess because it's signing day. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then uh, right after him, Bo Bordelon committed, and I I didn't realize this, but I tr- I was trying to do some research on him. But I don't know if uh, people, many people, knew who he was, but. You know, if you follow social media, you probably knew who his mom was. Yep. She was the blonde in that GAT video at the White House. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's like, I forget what her name is, but... um, And his dad's been Bordelon. Yeah. The, he played and he played with friend of the podcast, Mike Duplantis. Yeah, I was going to say, Bo Bordelon is the son of uh, my Uncle Mike. He, he's really good friends with uh, Ben Bordelon and his wife, Jimmy. So they're like almost brothers. They call him like Uncle Ben. Aren't they? Isn't uh, he like his godfather? I'm think, not maybe. I think I think your uncle is is Bo Bordelon's godfather. Yeah, but like my cousins call him Uncle Ben and like Aunt Jimmy, like uh Bo Bordelon's parents. So yeah, a close friend of the podcast. So and they think he's gonna get a lot better. He's only a three-star uh lineman right now for uh Isdor Newman in New Orleans, but he's already 6'5", 250 uh, as mm-hmm. a junior. Yeah. So he's still got room to grow and uh develop his technique because he didn't even play uh football for like much of a reputable program until just his last year when he went to Newman. And so he's getting a lot uh, better training there. So I expect him to kind of rise up the rankings a little bit. Well, didn't he, I, <clears throat> I might be completely wrong on this. Didn't he have to, didn't he sit out his sophomore year because he transferred to Newman? I think that might be true. Yeah. So I think he played somewhere else his freshman year and then transferred. And because of the LHSA rules, he had to sit out his entire sophomore mm-hmm. year. Cause his parents saw like the talent he had and wanted him to get like kind of the best. So Newman, they got Arch Manning at quarterback. They, yeah. they need somebody good to, to block for him. So. And he plays left tackle. Uh-huh. So he's, he is blocking Arch's uh, blind side. And yeah. So if he's, if he's good friends with him, then maybe he can recruit him for the 2023 class. Man, if we, if we pick up Arch Manning, Oh gosh. <laughs> But yeah, and then back to Will Campbell um, at a Neville High School in Monroe. Yeah, our backyard, yeah. literally my back, my mom's backyard. So as a big pickup, he was number fifty-six overall recruit in the country. He's a big old boy too, six-six, two-eighty, uh, is a is a junior. And so I guess they kind of just grow them different. <laughs> uh, at least we're getting some good protection because that's where we've had some troubles the past, I guess you could say two years in terms of recruiting his offensive line. So good to see him kind of building that up to start the class. And something we covered in, in uh, one of our past podcasts with uh, Stuart Hanna, the coach of Rummel, you know, Louisiana doesn't churn out these these high, high, high caliber offensive linemen like other states do. And so it's important that that when we can get them, we jump on them. So it's it's I was a little bit worried. I know that uh, pretty much everybody thought Will Campbell was a was a sure thing for LSU. But I do know that uh, there was a big, a big to do about him getting the Notre Dame offer. Right when he got and we got offered from Notre Dame, and I'm pretty, I think he's a Catholic guy, and and he he said that he, him and his dad like couldn't they they had to wait to get the Notre Dame offer. That was a big deal for them. I got a little bit worried, but you know, was Notre Dame gonna gonna poach him? And that's a big name that you know, if Notre Dame calls, you listen, right? So. I think that uh, I'm, I'm happy that to get his commitment. I'm excited about him. I think that him and maybe Bordelon as well, and some of the other pieces that we picked up over the years. Hopefully, they can we can put together an elite offensive line, and then 
if we put together an elite offensive line and then we have such a flooded talented quarterback room with with Walker Howard and Will Campbell's class, Garrett Nussmeyer coming in, or enrolled right now. Then you got TJ and Max and maybe Miles. And you just got all these people. If we've got any elite offensive line and, and then all these quarterbacks will battle it out, I, I like our chances. Definitely. And if you just look at what LSU is doing now, it's like they, they had their offensive line already set, basically, which is hasn't happened, I feel like, in a while. But uh, everyone's coming back, so the offensive line is set. So everybody coming in can just – learn from behind them, get some experience and they can to, learn. And we can have a lot of guys who in other years may have been expected to be full on starters as freshmen or sophomores. The These guys can play, you know, 10, 20, 30 snaps a game and, and really contribute, but not have the pressure of being the starting left tackle, right. the starting right. Off, right guard. Right. And um, just to kind of put it in perspective, like what you were saying about, uh, keeping these these big guys home, especially offensive linemen, which you know are like diamonds in the rough every now and then in Louisiana. Uh, the last two guys that were this high, highly you know touted or ranked, whatever you want to call it, uh, you'll probably remember their names. Uh, it was Cam Robinson and L. Collins. Yeah, and both of those guys. I mean, one would tell us you the other went to Alabama. Um, and, and Cam Robinson, we he was up there from Monroe as well. I remember that recruiting process. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, he was close to coming to LSU, but uh, and then I think before I think before uh, Lael Collins and Cam Robinson, I think the last like full on like five star uh, offensive lineman that we had was Andrew Whitworth, mm. which like that was a long time ago. Yeah, I mean he's got gray hair. I, I think he. Well, you got to go back to the what, early two thousands or something. Like that's that's when he. I think he would have been. He played on the 07 team, right? Did he win oh, the National okay. Championship in 07? I believe so. I think he did. Big wit. So, I mean, regardless, yeah, he would have been at West Monroe in like 2000, probably graduated in 2003, 2004. Uh, he was in the 2006 NFL draft, second round pick. So his, so, his senior year was 2005 at LSU. So he played on the. So he, so he graduated from Neville in 2000. And, Two? Uh, West Monroe. I mean, West, not, yeah, not Neville. West Monroe. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But anyway, like, like, like we were saying. It's so, he, so he played for Nick Saban at LSU. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I just – and it's just really good because they need to – like you, you were saying, Daniel, they just need to – they need to get these guys so they can build the line. I'm kind of glad James Craig was able to – I don't know how much of a role he played, but – I'm glad he's you know showing up the line because they're going to need it after this year. Um, but, I mean, we could pretty much just uh, sashay right on into recruiting day. I don't know, Daniel, if you just had a uh, like a running board. I mean, everyone that they were expecting to sign did sign, 22 guys. And we didn't lose anyone, which is great. We thought we might have picked up one or two here and there. You know, um, that didn't work out, but – that's that's okay too. I mean, there's still three spots left if if Coach O can find find somebody. I think we got Joe Burrow in like April, didn't we? Or something uh, May. like that. So, yeah, was, May. I think it was like May 16th. So, yeah, yeah, but the uh, 
The signing day went about to be expected. Um, Savion Jones was a former commit who did not sign early, but he signed today. There had been some talk. He was like academically ineligible or something, but hopefully he got that sorted out. Uh, And then we also got a signature from a three-star. And Savion Jones is a four-star DN out of St. James, Louisiana. But And then we got three-star guard, probably going to mess this up, Kimo Macanioli uh, out of Florida. And so he had committed about a month ago, I think. He was uh, transferring. from Florida State, right? Yeah, flipped from Florida State. Uh, So he was in with the LSU now. He was only our second offensive lineman recruit. So just like we were saying a minute ago, definitely needed him. And that's really all that happened today. Uh, There was some rumors that we were going to get a couple uh, of people and then that nothing ever really shook out. One was cornerback Dante Balfour, who ended up going to North Carolina. Um, And then the only other thing of note, Bama got another uh, five-star safety, and they actually have the highest-rated recruiting class of all time uh, this year. So the rich get richer there. So good for them, as if they needed it. Right. I saw some stat where there was like five teams, uh, Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, uh, and there's two other teams. I, f- I forget who it was. I, I want to say, you know, it's probably Clemson and uh, I don't know. I'll, ju- I'll just say Notre Dame because I forget. They had 22 five-star sign. The rest of college football had 12. That's just crazy, you know? Yeah, pretty top-heavy. Like you are saying, rich get richer. Um, um, and then also, uh, Rajon Davis, the, the guy who, the outside linebacker from California, who was a commit to LSU for a long time, for a long time, people, and people thought he might, Oh, maybe, you know, he decommitted, but he was open to his recruitment. And I guess he might've, maybe he just wanted to take a few trips or see, you know, see what he had see what he felt like he could get on the open market. But there was some, some speculation as to him maybe coming back to LSU today, but that did not happen. So he's going to USC. Yeah, and so that kind of concludes the the class for this year. So unless things kind of shift later, which they still could, um, Brian Thomas had a Walker, Louisiana, four-star receiver, did not sign today, and he's still a big target for LSU since we have some spots. But uh, as it stands right now, we have the number four class in the country, which is about as good as you can kind of hope for LSU with the other Titans out there. Uh, just a sliver ahead of Clemson at number five, um, and then a couple – points back to Oregon. So uh, I think a good class overall, two five-stars, 15 four-stars, and five three-stars. Uh, so I guess pretty typical to maybe slightly ahead of where LSU kind of normally likes to be. Yeah, and and from what Coach O has said in his, his interviews, um, his press conference this week, they're, they think they've got a really good chance at, at picking up uh, – Brian Thomas, I think it's probably a, a fifty a better than fifty fifty. He didn't name him, but I think that's that's the 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 target, and for that third spot. Yeah, and then the other two, he he's already said he's leaving them open for uh, for people he can get out of the transfer portal. So yeah, I was going to ask you guys about that because he was he's trying to be kind of sly. He kept saying, "Oh yeah, I got some guys uh, waiting to transfer." I think he was talking about all linebackers. Yeah, I, I hadn't seen anything about that. So unless they're still deciding or if they i don't know they're waiting on something else to happen before they transfer i don't know but yeah i mean we got spots so well i i would i would hope that um we've we've seen coach o have some have some success with the transfer portal i guess and i would hope he's he's not just you know anticipating that people will just start knocking on the door saying, Hey, can I transfer here? Um, I know that Daniel, you pulled it up. It's uh, there's a, there's the guy from USC. Who's a, who's a target uh, Palais Gatorade. 
Yeah, Kage Mesesunan, Pale Gao Teote, but he was the number one linebacker in the country in his recruiting class a couple of years ago, but he's transferring out of USC, but has not declared. So, And then there's really. Mike Jones from Clemson, yeah. who you probably watched. I mean, he was he was a star for them, uh, playing a lot uh, this past year, I believe, hmm. um, alongside Skalski, the notorious uh, – the notorious targeter. He of the two targeting penalties. Um, And then there's two other ones. There's four in total that that LSU's looking at as far as uh, linebackers. Isn't that right, Daniel? Something like that, yeah. I don't have all the uh, the details, but it would be nice if we could get at least one or or more people there. Yeah, I I think that linebacker is is something that we're we're a little bit – we're not as deep at – I'd love to be able to get back to the production that that we had with Jacob Phillips and uh, and Patrick Queen and Patrick Queen, yeah, and Caleb Chase on. Well, yeah, of course, Caleb on as well. Uh, Devin White. Uh, we did pick up that guy from JUCO, so and people from people seem to really like him. The guy what? from Mississippi, strong, yeah. Is, yeah. is it Navik Navarik Strong? Navatikwe or Tommy just says words. <laughs> what <laughs> like that key and peel skit where they just got all these <laughs> different names uh navante navante k yeah navante k that's, that's yeah. what i said yeah yeah strong yeah uh so yeah they got him but uh yeah i mean i think if uh if this guy is trying to leave usc i wonder why because you know that is weird to me because it feels like uh usc's kind of kind of making a big push yeah, they've got they got some big time recruits, Corey Foreman, uh, Rajon Davis, and then they're in the Pac-12, who is not very strong right now. So if they can sweep run the table there, they got a good shot at the playoffs. Yeah, but think about it like this: if it was if it was like say it was the SEC, but you know it was just a down year. That's like you know the number one guy going to Alabama again. It's like in the Pac-12, USC is like the most storied program. Um, they haven't been, you know, that strong for a few years now. But just as far as the Pac-12 goes, they, you know, they, for the most part, well, for a long time, they were the standard. You know, I think kind of after Pete Carroll, it kind of just all just dissipated. I mean, they can still get talent, you know, but, um, yeah, just they haven't put together like a cohesive unit. But, I mean, yeah, to be inter- it's interesting to see why why this number one recruit would be trying to leave but anyway um i think that that was all the recruiting stuff we had right i believe so yeah Yeah, for the most part it'll probably wind down a little bit over the next couple months and then pick back up kind of in the summer as we get into the kind of the big commitments there for the 2022 class it's unfortunate we don't have another uh another drama like we did last year with Zach Evans and Jordan Birch. <laughs> yeah, we're just talking about the same like two guys every single podcast. <laughs> the inf- there was nothing better than when Jordan Birch, uh, when he signed or he he was like I'm I'm going to USC, but I mean to South Carolina USC, but I'm not. He never signed his papers. Like oh, we could we could still get him. I know the LSU people like he wants to he wants to go to LSU, but his mom but his is mom forcing won't him, let him forcing him to stay at home, and then it never happened. But oh well. Right. I've, I've heard of these stories of like the mom or someone just like trying to mess with the fax machine. So they won't let their son sign. That's ridiculous. Um, but uh, I don't know. I guess we could uh, touch on basketball. 
Uh, it, it almost was a, a really good week for LSU. I mean, it started out well with, um, you know, with the win against A&M. They won 78 to 66, looked pretty good there, right? It was a good bounce back from the week before. And so then and everything was leading to this game against Texas Tech. And I don't know. I don't know how many people actually gave LSU a chance, especially based on the week before. But uh, LSU gave them pretty much all they had all game. Like they, they almost pulled it out. Uh, except for, I guess, I don't know, like what the last 60 seconds or something. Uh, then Texas Tech just went on like a 12-0 run to close it out. So LSU ended up losing 76 to 71. It was disappointing. And you, you, it's, it's even more disappointing when you just know that they, it's like they had the game. Uh-huh. They had a six-point lead with like around a minute left. They just had to close it out. They had a five-point lead with 30 seconds left. Yeah, it was. they were up by seven with a minute. Yeah, five with 30 seconds, and they, they found a way to lose. So that was really disappointing. I unfortunately didn't get to watch the whole thing, but, yeah, I watched the, the furious finish, and that was depressing enough. Yeah, I, I almost feel like it's just – that's just a – that's the perfect encapsulation of this entire season almost. It's just mm-hmm. like – like there's all the talent there there's all they can they can do everything all well except for play defense but they can they can score all the points and 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 rebound well and they offensive rebound real well and they can hang with all the great teams i mean texas tech's a really good team what they were 10 in the country are they still are they ranked any higher or is it still they're still 10 Uh, i think they're still 10 i'm not sure they've updated the rankings but anyways yeah they're a top 10 team and lsu was able to to i mean they beat them for for the entire game yeah at least they, of the game at least it like kind of showed some life and instead of the games against bama kentucky when it was just a just an absolute like blowout we shot three pointers well better than we did before <laughs> in both games a&m and texas tech as well and that's kind of where our key is uh, javante smart played a good game but it really would have been nice to take that one down and that's like a game that could have gotten us pretty much into the tournament by yeah. itself. You stamp that one on your resume against the top 10 Texas tech and you don't have to worry so much going out in the stretch, which now we're now really, we're bubble boys. Yeah. Really in the bubble mix. We're like looking like an 11 ish, maybe like last like eight in right now, something like that. Uh, so it's going to be going to be a tough stretch, especially they're playing Alabama as we speak. And then they got some more tough games coming up. What's the score right now? Give me, give me a minute. Talk, talk about something. It uh, looks like, 32 to 25 Alabama at the moment. Oh my gosh. Oh, no, not, uh, oh wait, no, that's I, I, I pulled up the football score. The <laughs> Daniel pulls up, Daniel pulls up, uh, he types in LSU Alabama and it comes up 55, 17 final. And I was like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we're losing 33, 25 right now. First half almost over. That's a low scoring game. Um, but We'll, we'll see how they do on that one. Oh, and then also Darius Day's got hurt. Yeah, that was the, bad uh, injury. The Texas too. Tech, and there's, he's supposed to be out for a few weeks at least. It, uh, was, it was a nasty. Did you see it? No, I didn't catch it. Did you see it, Scott? Did I see what? Darius Day's injury. Yeah, yeah. He's supposed or, to be out. Well, I thought it was only going to be like a couple <clears throat> weeks. Yeah, but it looked bad. I'm, I'm just saying it looked bad. Like, uh, it looked painful. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he came down. It was his ankle, right? Did they say? I, I, I didn't mean, see. I didn't see what they said it was. I it looked it like his knee. his knee. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense too. Yeah, but it's tough for them because he's pretty much the solid number four for LSU. Like, is they have a solid four with Cam Thomas, Javante Smart, uh, Trenton Watford, and then Days, and then they kind of rotate the fifth guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so then some of the other players are going to have to step up uh, for him. Uh, we'll see though. I don't know. Yeah, I, feel, yeah, I just, I'll, I kind of, I just, I just want the team. To, like they when when they're playing really good, they're really fun to watch. Um, but then 
when like when we lose it's it's terrible to watch yeah like we don't lose in fun ways if that makes any sense no. like when we lose we get beat yeah one thing i've kind of noticed over the past like two seasons last year and this year is it kind of played to their level of the competition a lot yeah. of times so if we're playing a poor opponent we'll kind of like mess around like we'll get a lead but then we'll blow it kind of make it close at the end but then you have games like texas tech when you have a good team they actually like all right we can play some basketball unfortunately we lost uh but games like last year we beat i think kentucky and tennessee like one time a piece uh and then they had the talent they got five-star recruits on the roster but it's like they just have at least something is missing all the time and it, it rotates through which so i wonder so right now lsu is 11 and 5 um they're they're not great in in conference play right what's their conference uh they're i think it were four and four um give me uh but like i wonder okay if that if that team that played against texas tech is if, if you get that team every night like what's that what's that team's record look like right. how many how many games do we take you know how many games do we steal from that right yeah six and four or six and three in the conference. Yeah, we're actually somehow tied for second in the conference at six and three. Uh, I guess everybody else has been beating up on each other, but yeah, Alabama paces the pack at nine and zero, and then we're tied with Florida at six and three. We could drop to six and four uh, today, but thankfully everybody else is is getting roughed up. Also, I saw some people saying, "Do you think Will Will Wade's on the hot seat?" Um, I don't I don't think so. He's taken LSU basketball to a level that of consistency years yeah um we had a little bit of success like in the early 2000s um kind of the, Went to the, the final four yeah the glenn davis era and then we we haven't been blowing the doors off of people but at least we're like we're winning some games so i think he's probably got this year and maybe if things go in the wrong direction again next year like worse than this then maybe yeah but i think he's good at least this one yeah yeah, I agree. I think I think he's probably fine. But I, I know people have been there have been some some hardcore. Now the, the funny thing is I feel like uh over the past maybe three years, the LSU fan base has gotten more like rabid about basketball. Mm-hmm. And not really in like the good way, <laughs> but more like like off with his head. We want Wade dead because like anytime LSU loses. Well, it's because I think that the one thing he's pretty good at is recruiting. He's yeah. brought, brought some like big five stars and that brings a lot of attention. Like, although Ben Simmons was like he, well, a little yeah, bit we, before. Yeah, Johnny Jones brought him. Yeah, before Wade, but it, that was kind of the start of it where like we can get some big time players yeah. and then people want to watch that and see. And it's like, all right, we got some people now. Like, why aren't we having like the top success? Is some other people like we can pump the money in? The LSU fans will like, we'll pay for it, sometimes literally. Um, and <laughs> no, we, don't, we don't talk about that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I'd say Will Wade is not on the hot seat with the school, it's still with the NCAA, I think. <laughs> Um, so I think the school is just kind of a wait and see approach. I don't think he's on the hot seat. Cause, uh, I mean, what, what for, like what, I mean, unless something comes down with Will Wade, then, then maybe, but well, I guess I, I okay, it stands now it's like, they have a, a good coach with a good program, like good, good recruits coming in. Uh, he's just got to get some, you know, some more consistency. He's got to get some guys that can play defense for sure. Um, but like, I don't know, we'll see what they do with this, this tournament time. Cause obviously they can keep up with, uh, you know, the, the better programs, but, you know, I guess until they get that, that big win or they like, they make it to like the elite eight or something, uh, it's just going to be another, you know, then I think next year will be a deciding year, you know, um, probably by then all the uh, NCAA stuff, maybe, maybe that'll have been settled or at least out in the air. So we know what we're dealing with. But, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, but it's I've already seen March Madness, you know, commercial. So this thing is right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of getting excited because I feel like we're gonna we're gonna have March Madness back, even though it's all gonna be in one location. But I don't know. Maybe maybe we can get you know. There's always there's always a chance you got a team gets hot right at the tournament. Mm-hmm. What more can you ask for? I feel like the the opposite did happen to us. I can't remember if it was last. Well, no, not it was the you know not last year, but um, year before. Yeah, where we were on fire, won the SEC regular season, boot yeah. up, let's go. It was awesome, and then just kind of it kind of did fall off towards the end of the season with, with the SEC tournament, and then and then going into the to the uh, NCAA tournament, where that was a team that I think definitely could have made a run. So. Maybe you know we've got the talent. We can and we've proven we can play with some of the top teams in the country, the top you know top ten. So you never know. Hopefully we can just get hot at the right time. Yep, getting hot at the right time would help. Uh, and that that doesn't speak any more so than uh, this weekend because we have the Super Bowl finally, the big game, uh, the big one to settle them all. Will it be Tom Brady? And uh, and his band of misfits, or the the perfect team in the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know. Uh, I think LSU's well represented on either side. Yeah, either um, way, LSU wins. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you know, it's like each side. It's like you have Tampa Bay. You have this this old school quarterback, possibly the greatest ever, against you know the young up and comer, like the guy that's probably going to unseat him right as whenever Tom Brady decides to retire. Uh, whether that be next year or five years from now, <laughs> uh, however long he wants to play. But, I mean, it's him and Mahomes. And then you have the running backs, LSU, Leonard Fournette against, uh, you know, who was almost LSU's, like, uh, I-, I would say is a Heisman candidate. He was for a while. He didn't end up going to New York. But, I mean, he was up there. He he had that first half of the year. He looked like the Heisman frontrunner versus Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Darrell Williams, who uh, we won't have actually played under Leonard. But, um you know, Clyde Edwards, who just had a f- championship season last year with LSU. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, LSU, uh, man, De- Devin White, I- I'm I'm expecting a good game out of him. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, and Honey Badger, see if he can uh, keep Tom Brady under wraps. But I don't know. Do you guys already have a uh, – I'm not going to ask if you have any, any, uh, any stake in the game, but um, I don't know if you were to say who were winning – who would you put your money on right now? I don't have any any money on the line, but if I think it'll be a good game. Hopefully it's a little bit better than last year and the Chiefs and the 49ers and the Chiefs kind of just were in control the whole time. But I think touchdown Tommy in the Super Bowl, uh, he'll, he'll make it a game. If I had to give a prediction, I think the Chiefs are going to take it again, something maybe 31-27 uh, for the Chiefs. I bet I think Tom Brady has a drive to try and win the game, and then it somehow goes wrong and they lose, similar to the Seahawks-Patriots uh, a couple of years ago when they picked him off with a one-yard line. Mm. You know, I, I I don't like to I'm not I don't like to bet against Mahomes. He's he's probably the best in the league right now. Of course, Brady's the greatest ever, but I think that uh, that Mahomes, as far as just just being in his prime, the talent, all that. But I think I don't. I'm I'm starting to get a feel that the the the, the Bucks might win it. I think I think they might do it. I think that they've got a lot of momentum. Going. They've got they've all been, the momentum. They've been playing well. They're playing at home. I mean that that's uh, that has to be an it has to be a thing, right? I th- I think that will We're be a three thing. Three points right there, right? And then yeah, exactly. Like uh, that's what Vegas says. Uh, and then uh, 
they've got all yeah like you said Daniel they got all the momentum I feel like they're pretty evenly matched teams both have pretty good running games the Bucks running game has gotten a lot better Leonard's been playing uh has had a great playoffs um receiving both teams have elite receivers defense both teams have you know really talented defenses with uh with great, great players at the positions where it matters, they've got a great defensive line, uh, good players in the secondary, great linebackers. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I don't, I, I don't, I can't say why, but I felt like when I, when, when both teams won like two weeks ago and it was set for the Super Bowl, I would have, I would have been with you, Dano. I would have said Bucks. I mean, I would have said Chiefs. But now as we get closer and I start thinking about it a little bit more, I just, I think Tom Brady's going to, I think Tom Brady will take it. I think I think I think he might win it, and then that might be his last year. So, if the Bucks win, do you think Tom Brady may pull a surprise retirement, just right off in the sunset, go like on Peyton? top? Yeah, I would. I, I think I think it could happen. Um, what about if they lose and they get blown out, and he looks kind of looks kind of old and bad? I, here's the other thing: I could, what I could see happening is old. let's say they lose, similar to how the Denver Broncos lost to uh to russell wilson yeah and that was like kind of an embarrassing loss for them and then he comes back and 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 that actually that actually makes a lot of sense you know it was peyton's first year they lost in embarrassing fashion the super bowl he comes back for another year goes super bowl wins retires so maybe that happens and and he has to go back and prove it prove it again um but i i think i'm i think i like the bucks right now Uh, yeah well there's also a redemption story here too because i remember if you remember because this this Bucks team now it has these these uh, these similarities to that New York Giants team from years ago. Remember, because the Patriots were seventeen and zero undefeated, and then this Giants team who won all of its playoff games on the road mm-hmm. and went to the Super Bowl and won off of that you know miraculous helmet catch by, yeah. by David Tyree, uh, and that ended the perfect season. Uh, you know now Tom Brady's in the reverse role. He is on the you know, the, the team that has won, won all their games in the playoffs on the road going against, uh, you know, this, this young quarterback. Um, I don't know. I feel like if for any, you know, whatever reason, you know, sports, sports lore holds, like that's the story. And I feel like that's why they possibly could do it. Uh, I think it'll be a good game. I don't think, uh, I don't think KC's going to run away with it like they did. I mean, it's it's hard to repeat in this league too you know what i mean i feel like i feel like that's just not a the 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 while you're thinking about that repeat as in repeat super bowl but also like they already played earlier this year you know it's like that's true twice this year so yeah that too but go on well i was just gonna say like it's uh like the chiefs are a great team and everything but just just the 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 ability to win two straight Super Bowls, that's, that's very, very difficult to do. And, and a lot of teams that make it back don't usually take two, you know, two for two, even if they make it back the next year. So, Yeah, I think the last one was uh, the Patriots in the mid-2000s. Probably like 04, 05 or 03, 04, something like that. Yeah, yeah they always have all kind of like fun props for the Super Bowl. One that I saw I thought was pretty good was – uh, who, what are the announcers going to mention first? Tom Brady's age or Tom Brady's six Super Bowl wins? Oh, uh, that's a, that is a good one. Because like, which is his more defining characteristic that they're going to? That he's forty three, or that he has six Super Bowls? 
I think they they'll probably they'll probably I would I would absolutely say that they would mention uh, Tom Brady playing in his seventh Super Bowl or something like that. Six-time Super Bowl champion Tom Brady takes on something like that. Yeah, right? you can give an argument for each. Like, like he's so loyal. He's forty-three coming back to. It could be like he's forty-three coming back to play in his seventh Super Bowl yeah. or something like that. Oh, man, that would be, wouldn't that be? If in the same sentence, what about in the same sentence? You have the prop, and let's just say you take like you take age, and they're like, and here six-time Super Bowl champion, forty-three-year-old Tom Brady. <laughs> And it's always fun to see the other stuff, like the over/under on how long the national anthem is going to go. I think they've got it at like two minutes even right now. Like what color they moved it? Like what color the Gatorade is going to be at the end? I'm thinking, I'm thinking red this year. It's a good good year for red because you got the Chiefs and the Bucks. Um, but and then the, what the halftime show? How long the halftime show is going to be? Which song the weekend is going to sing? <laughs> I'm kind of not um, excited about the halftime show. I feel like the weekend's not going to be very good. Yeah, uh, I don't know. He'll be all right. But, I mean, the, not all the halftime shows are all just a bunch of compilations anyway. It's like they play like 45 they play seconds. Videos. Yeah, they just <laughs> they skip from song to song. It's it's not a you know it's not an actual concert. I wonder what they're um, going to do because normally they have like those big crowds of fans like run down right around the uh, the yeah. stage. I wonder and if they're, they're kind of a, part, of the cell, part of the show. I wonder if they're going to have a socially distanced crowd or if it's just going to be like an empty field. <laughs> There'll be masks with sequins on them, something. <laughs> they're going to work something out. Yeah. Um, I don't know, guys. I think uh, that'd be about it for us tonight. Yeah, I think that does yeah. it for us. I believe so. Enjoy the Super Bowl party, um, and we'll, we'll break that down coming back. Are you going to stay at home and watch? I think I'm going to stay at home and watch it. Are you all going anywhere special? No? No, I think I'm going to be making some uh, making some chicken tenders, some, some homemade chicken tenders, tossed. There you go. Sauce. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be grilling out. I'm going to be enjoying the day, taking it easy, not spending a dime, which is always nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that'll, uh, that'll do it for us here on Talking Tigs. Good talking with everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. We did. Uh, so tune in next week. We'll have a, a further uh, recruit wrap-up on uh, National Signing Day. We might have a special guest with us, too. I don't know. Um, stay tuned to find out. But until then, stay safe, stay tuned, and we'll talk to you next time on Talking Tigs.